Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Damn it, please pick up. Pick up. <coughs> Philip. You had me terrified. I believe you've done that to yourself again, Diana. Of your paranoia, as usual. Excuse me? Been here on the phone again. How long do you spend on your little calls these days? I am Her Royal Highness. You know full well I can do with my hours as I please. Well, interesting that. Your hours. The royal family gave you those hours, Diana. Without our decree, you would not be here today. It's threats like that, Philip, that push me to paranoia. Truthfully, though, Di, that call was going to be made to some reporter friend or such, wasn't it? Another chance to attack Charles in the press? To coat the crown in more dust from your busy duties as maid to the throne? Don't you see that this cycle begins with you? With your distrust of me? With these thoughts that I want to destroy our family, why would I want to destroy something that is my children's future? Because of just that, dear. Your children's future, not yours. Your husband is the king-in-waiting. His mother the queen. I am the Duke of Edinburgh. If you don't behave, my girl, we'll take her title away and you'll be no one. My title is a lot older than yours, Philip. <laughs> Stubborn girl. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. And I'm Carter Roy. Welcome to Famous Fates, a podcast original exclusive to Spotify. Each week, we'll release five fresh episodes centered around a common theme, such as Hollywood icons, influential women, or music legends. In each episode, we'll take a close look at the remarkable life of a different person. With the help of voice actors, we'll dramatize their incredible lives, reimagining their greatest and weakest moments. Then we'll examine their controversial deaths. Some deaths came too soon, some remained shrouded in mystery, and some changed the world forever. Today we're covering Diana, Princess of Wales. Nicknamed the People's Princess, she used her public profile to serve charities and work as an activist throughout the 1990s. But her acrimonious divorce from Prince Charles led many to believe her death was no accident. 
You can find episodes of Famous Fates and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. To stream Famous Fates for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Famous Fates in the search bar. Famous Fates is a Spotify exclusive, so you can only find it on Spotify. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Now, back to the life of Diana Spencer. Diana Spencer is a somewhat unassuming name for a woman who would become the first postmodern member of the British royal family. True. As the Queen-in-Waiting and the Princess of Wales, Diana was subjected to the full brunt of contemporary media's power. Every move she made was publicized. She was expected to be perfect. After her royal wedding, replicants of her dress flooded the bridal landscape for years to come. Every move she made was scrutinized. And not just by the public. Diana herself co-authored this image. If not by choice, then at least by necessity. She understood what her role was supposed to be. And sometimes she decided it was time to break the mold. Her ideas and actions in the spotlight earned her criticism from the elite and praise from the lower class and global community. But her life's mission was a much more personal affair, and when the details of that life broke free from her image, it left Diana stranded between fact and fiction, reality and myth. Disruption was at the heart of her life from the start. She was born in 1961 to John and Frances Spencer, the Viscount and Viscountess Althorpe. The Spencer lineage had long been marked by close ties to the royal family, so it held itself with extreme nobility in mind. With only one son so far to his name, John worried about the prospects of having another healthy heir. His marriage began to fracture as his anxiety grew. When it became clear no more heirs were on the horizon, John Spencer divorced Francis. The Viscount proceeded to take full custody of his children and move them to his family's home in Northampton. Name spared from disgrace, Spencer soon remarried and inherited the title of Earl. Di became known as Lady Diana. Well, this lady didn't stick around her home very long and was soon off at various boarding schools around the country. Starting at all-girls Riddlesworth Hall School, she soon accompanied her sisters to West Heath Girls School. The fractured state of her childhood sent Diana on a frantic search for self. While at school, she found achievement in many of the nobler sports in fashion at the time, like diving, ballet, and tap dance. She also studied piano and was known throughout her later princess years to break out the old keyboard chops. But after a stint at a finishing school in Switzerland, a true calling still eluded Diana. Her academic scores were nothing special, and she became discouraged about her future. Her mother bought her a home in London, but she filled her time by taking low-paying work like babysitting and house cleaning. In the eyes of her elders, this was a sad state of affairs. And Diana bought into the insecurity, doubling down. By the end of the 70s, Diana was a lost soul, adrift from the Spencer's typical life path toward nobility. Good thing she attended a friend of the family's picnic in the summer of 1980. She ran into an ex-boyfriend of her sister Sarah's, a lad named Charles. The men are looking fresh on their horses today, Di. Why don't we go greet them when the game is up? That's not why I came here this summer, Sarah. So why on earth do you do anything, Diana? Will you be working as a servant your entire life? Coming from the woman trying to make me become a wife. Don't say it with such disdain. 
We're all only trying to help. Uh, of course, I know. Uh, Sarah, who is that over there, sitting atop that bale of hay? What? Oh, Lord, Diana, it's him, Charles. You met him three summers ago, when, um, when I brought him by Althorpe. Oh, dear, I didn't even recognize him. I'm sorry, Sarah, I didn't mean to imply I had any design to... <laughs> I wouldn't worry about your designs on the Prince, Di. He's out of the grasp of mortals, I'm afraid. But Di, tuned out of usual decorum, decided to approach the son of the Queen anyway. Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. You've caught me in a reverie. Uh, I should leave you be then. I just wanted to say hi. We met a few years ago at Althorpe. I'm the Earl's daughter, Diana. Why, of course. Please sit. I couldn't. I think you can. <laughs> Well, you've got me there. <laughs> Prince Charles had just lost a close friend and mentor, the grandfather of Amanda Natchbull, the girl he was to marry. But with her grandfather killed by the IRA, she had not wanted the attention being a member of the royal family would bring. On that summer evening, he found a commiserating ear in Diana. According to accounts from Charles' own biographer, within a few months of courtship, Charles had made up his mind considering Diana. Some rumors point to his decision as a hasty one, brought about by grief and the advice from elders not to keep a young girl on the hook too long. Some believe even Diana herself was shocked at the quick progression of their relationship. But when you're drowning in self-doubt and a lifeline is tossed your way... A royal lifeline at that. It is no surprise one finds themselves grabbing hold, as Diana herself would later say about her overall time spent with the royal family. I had to sink or swim, so I swam. And what better place to begin swimming through a relationship than on the royal yacht, Britannia? After their fateful meeting on that bale of hay, Charles moved full steam ahead in preparing Diana for the road they would soon walk together. It's... too much to believe, Charles. Not for you. Not anymore. So, what do you say? I... I've been divided my entire life. I've felt like two mismatched pieces of a puzzle like I didn't belong anywhere. And now you're telling me I belong in your arms? I can guarantee it. I haven't even passed my O-levels. I'm thick. Everyone will hate me. They will only need to look at your face to know the role can only belong to you. This isn't a joke, then. Marriage is a commitment, Charles. I intend to commit. Would you? Of course. That's why it's time for you to meet my family. By November, Diana stood by Charles's side at the royal family's historic Balmoral estate in Scotland. The boy worries me, Elizabeth. He's still grieving, whether he knows it or not. Charles can deal with his emotions, Philip. He's not. He's gallivanting around with his blonde. A new photograph every day. Here they come now. Mother, Philip, I'm so happy for you to meet Lady Diana Spencer. Daughter of Earl of Althorpe. My dear, an absolute pleasure. Indeed. I assure you it's all mine, your royal highness, and with you as well, my prince. I have been desperate to put a real face to the name I've been hearing on the phone every day. Charles adores you. Now, now, Diana surely gets enough of that from me. Oh, not nearly enough. <laughs> The Spencers are a pristine lineage of loyal servants to the crown, Lady Diana. It has been too long since our families were this close, though. But I think we must ask. 
Charles, what are your plans here? Mm, well, well, I, um... Do tell us all, Charles. <laughs> I think it's quite clear that Diana is not one to let go lightly. But that's talk for a later evening than this. I cannot wait to meet the Queen Mother. She will be pleased to find such a warm and caring woman seeking her attention. Excuse us both. No confirmation there, Elizabeth. Oh, Philip, you old fool. None were needed. I could see it in the eyes. Charles' eyes? The lad was mighty uncomfortable. The Lady Diana's eyes, Philip. I haven't seen such a sparkle of that sort anywhere near the palace in the last 15 years. She is a princess already, my dear. Mark my words. We'll return to our story in just a moment. Hey, welcome to Ikea, where even this desk is circular. Huh, how so? Looks pretty rectangular to me. It's because we're always looking to repair, reuse, and relove our products, like buying back your Ikea items for store credit. Or shop our as-is section for great deals. You can even order free spare parts. Get on the circular path for a more sustainable future. Still a rectangle. Get started at ikea-usa.com slash circular. Visit ikea-usa.com slash circular for as-is information and buyback and resale terms and conditions. Spare parts not available for all products. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And now back to the story. Prince Charles proposed to Lady Diana on the 6th of February, 1981, but the news would not go public until the 24th. That gave Diana 18 days to enjoy the last vestige of privacy she would ever know. Diana was 20 years old when she officially became the Princess of Wales. July 29, 1981. Diana and Charles married within St. Paul's Cathedral instead of the usual royal nuptial venue of Westminster Abbey due to the increased public interest. 600,000 people flooded the streets of London to catch sight of the prince and his new princess, adorned in possibly the most elaborate and infamous wedding dress of all time. A taste of their media-saturated future lives, the ceremony was broadcast to over 750 million people worldwide. British royalty had finally entered the 20th century, clinging on for dear life to the train of Diana's dress. Even more so than Prince Charles, Diana was an icon from the start. Your Royal Highness, the Archbishop wished to confirm your wishes regarding the vows. Oh, the bloody vows again. The line about obeying, is it? Yes, that one, Your Highness. It seems your bride will not bend. I'm beginning to sense such a trend in her. Well, this will certainly cause a stir. So, you two wish to leave it out? If I had my choice, I wouldn't be a prince. The decision to leave out Diana's promise to obey Charles did cause a stir at the time, but it quickly took on a positive light in the public's mind. Diana had indeed read the pulse of the people. From the beginning, she made this marriage her story in the media's eyes. While some eventually decried Diana as manipulative, I can only ask, what else could she have done? Right. Would it have been better for her to kowtow to the royal will? She took the road never traveled and set her own precedence. 
All those years of wondering whether she would ever make it. When it turned out to be royalty, Diana decided she had better make the most of it. The couple moved to Kensington Palace. By January, Diana was 12 weeks pregnant. Also by January, Diana had begun to react to the new stressors in life, much to the annoyance of her new family. How is it all, lad? Proceeding along, father. You know what I mean. The fall she took. She couldn't have known she was pregnant. You say that as if she fell on purpose. Oh, oh, right. Well, of course she did not. And thank goodness they're both safe. They're discussing me. Diana, no talk like this at the table. I already feel awkward enough. They all think I'm cracking, Sarah. That I threw myself down the stairs to kill my unborn child. Well, you knew this wasn't going to be easy. I thought the outside world would be hard, everyone looking into my life. It turns out it's the fear of those around you that's much worse. Their expectations of you. Not now, Di, please! I swear, Sarah, I should have majored in this family's psychology. While Diana's paranoia arose at the start, there were happy times. She welcomed the birth of her two children as blessings. Prince William was born in 1982, and Prince Henry, known to us today by Harry, came two years later. Diana set more precedents with these royal kids. Although her life was full of travel and charity work and public appearances, Diana made sure blocks of time were reserved to walk her children to and from school. And perhaps more impressively, Diana would take her children with her on some of her more wide-ranging travels. They became the first royal children exposed to the reality of life in developing nations. Even at home in London, she would bring them along with her when she visited wards for leprosy and AIDS. The fact that Diana was even seen touching people infected with HIV and AIDS was seen as a radical step forward for the monarchy. Nelson Mandela himself praised her for her comfort around those with the disease. It opened up a whole new way to discuss paths toward a cure and toward removing the stigma such a diagnosis bestowed in that era. When Diana couldn't be there for William and Henry, she hired the best possible care, foregoing the royal family's typical sitters for more personal, trusted ones of Diana. A former caretaker herself, Diana always knew the value of such services. In fact, caretaking seemed to be Diana's true calling after all. She just never assumed it would be both for children and an entire nation. But perhaps she focused too much on projecting care outward, leaving little for her own mental health. Posthumously, some psychologists have claimed that in her private life, Diana exhibited many signs of having borderline personality disorder. Coupled with her non-existent sense of self and her intense insecurity about her place in the royal family, Diana's focus on abandonment seemed to spring forth from her parents' own fractious lives. In later public interviews, Diana herself confirmed that between the years of 1981 and 1992, she would often fall back on obsessive thought patterns and self-harm like cutting and persistent bulimia. History has often turned the Charles-Diana marriage into a war of who was in the right. At first, Charles took the brunt of the heat, but soon the tide would turn on Diana. Yet it really seems like Diana's inability to trust Charles did arrive from a place of reality. Within a few years of marriage, Charles started seeing an ex-lover, Camilla Parker Bowles, a woman his mother had long forbid him to pursue. Diana also accused him of sleeping with one of their babysitters, Tiggy Leg Bork. Their life together became a shell. They would continue going to public events together, putting on their best possible faces. But behind the scenes, they were no longer even sleeping in the same room. 
Diana found herself completely alienated. Charles could easily retreat into the care of his family, but she was left out in the cold. She tried to find comfort in the arms of her riding instructor and former cavalry officer, James Hewitt. Speaking about her actions later, Diana would say that her love with Hewitt was real, but in the end, she broke it off, already afraid of the mounting consequences. Because all parties knew that, inevitably, they would no longer be able to contain the secret truth within the bubble of the public lie. A couple that had seemingly come together as if in a dream or a fairy tale would soon be revealed to be all too human, full of mental violence, betrayal, and emptiness. By 1992, things had come to a head. A book called Diana, Her True Story, was published and ran as a serialized column in the Sunday Times. Di's life had literally become a soap opera, and everyone was reading. The book shattered the public illusion of the prince and princess's romance, or at least created a new, juicier one. As the Princess of Wales went about her normal routine this morning, attending a West London gym, her lawyer Lord Mishcon called on the public to show their contempt for those who seek to make money out of the unhappiness of the royals. The marriage was a farce not even the monarchy could entertain anymore. Still, Diana clung to her principles. Diana, so you will not speak to me then? It's been so long since we've spoken in private, I may have forgot how to do it cordially. We're in agreement on our coupling then? Agree with what, Charles? That you've betrayed our marriage? Don't be haughty. So have you, for heaven's sake. This isn't what it should be like. I know. It's a mistake we both must carry. I do think we still make a good team in public. (laughs) That's not a life I want, Diana. We must make do. Isn't that right? What your parents would say. It's time I start making my own decisions in these matters. I think a separation would be best. I... no. What? You're surely kidding. No. We are in waiting, Charles. You could be king, and William after you. This destroys it all. It doesn't. I can't do this to our children. They can't grow up with us apart. Your attachment to your title. I think it harms you more than it helps, Diana. William remains our son. You will remain in our family. But we must come clean with it all. It's Camilla, then. This has nothing to do with her. Your mother refused to let you marry her. So you picked me. Yet now it seems you've grown the courage to finally stand up to your mother, have you? That's fair. And it was you who taught me that I can dictate my own life. We all can. I am grateful for that, Diana. You've lied to me many times. But do you know which was the only one that mattered? When you told me you were in this to the end. I barely knew you. But I trusted you meant it. (sighs) I'm sorry. You think you're sparing me from the public? You're feeding me to them, Charles. The amicable separation goes live in December 1992. Over the next year, the rest of the sordid details, fictionalized and not, entered the public sphere. Both sides retreated into their own publicity camps. Prince Charles struggled to maintain the high ground, admitting in a broadcast interview to his affair with Camilla. Diana began to publicly accuse him of more wrongdoing, dragging babysitter Tiggy Leg Bork's name into the spotlight. Diana was always cannier than Charles when it came to the media. In 1995, she did an interview on BBC where she told her side of the story entirely, including her struggles with mental illness. After that interview, Diana was all the British media seemed interested in. Princess Diana's candid interview has thrown Britain into a frenzy. 
Her frank admissions of postnatal depression, bulimia and adultery have earned her sympathy in some quarters. But her husband's allies have poured scorn on her claims of bad treatment by the royal family. While she lay low in Kensington Palace, the nation was gripped with speculation over her future. Meanwhile, Prince Charles was carrying on his public duties with a visit to Cornwall. Some of the tabloid reporters, though, such as Nigel Dempster, had no problem with doing a bit of their own psychoanalysis. She can't possibly go up to photographers and say, don't photograph me because this is a private matter, because she's in the public eye. She's put herself there very firmly, and she knows it. And I think that this is the one price she's going to have to pay for this hour of, shall we say, burying her soul. She spun a deep web of contacts throughout the tabloid journalism world, often calling up reporters who had just dragged her name through the mud in the press and making nice. Finally, Maggie. Sorry, Your Royal Highness. I've told you before, die is fine. Die. It's chaos in the office today. That's why I'm calling. I'd like to help get all of this sorted any way I can. Well... If we're really friends, you'd tell me James Hewitt actually is Henry's father. Watch your tongue. I'm allowing you this privilege. Remember that, Maggie. I'm sorry, but it's just not true. Sometimes I wish James was his father, but they're both my little kings, genetically speaking. Die. I love you, everybody does, but it's getting harder to sell that. All right, Tiggy then. You want some scandal? You may as well start with her abortion of Charles' child. Wow! Hold on, back up. Let me get a pen. I'd get a whole notebook, too. So that's pretty cold. Especially because any such abortion never happened in the first place. As Diana played the game she was trapped inside, she got better at it. But it reinforced her paranoid nature and rewarded her tendency to stretch the truth. Some think it's time for the princess to move on. I believe that many of her friends want her to move on, move out of Kensington Palace, buy her own uh, property, make a new life for herself, and finally divorce Prince Charles, because the longer she stays inside Kensington Palace, the longer she goes on hurting herself. I think she thought that if she could maintain course and steer public opinion, she would emerge on the other side of this unscathed, and perhaps with her position of influence maintained. But it wasn't meant to be. It's been too long. It does seem we exist in parallel dimensions now, does it not? With only those gossip rags strung between us. It has been an unfortunate few years. Unfortunately so. <laughs> <laughs> Charles tells me you will not listen to his latest proposal. The opposite of a proposal, really. I suppose you did say you wouldn't obey him. Especially in moments like this. Surely you see what a mark that would leave on the throne? On Charles? On William and Henry, too. Uh, don't forget yourself. <laughs> and yes, myself. Charles made many mistakes with you, Diana. I should have seen this coming. I tried to control the boy for so many years. I feel responsible for this. I can make this work. That's our job in this family. I understand that. The Spencers and the Windsors go back a long way, don't we? This can't be the first time either side has had to deal with something like this. These are modern times, times I often do not comprehend in full. You have done great service in the name of my family and bringing us out into the light of the present day. But in consideration of these modern times, I think it's best if we end things here. Divorce. 
I don't know whether you're Charles' mouthpiece or he's yours anymore. We're people, Diana, trying to do the best we can with the situation we've been handed. You take this too seriously. You don't take my life seriously at all. This is business as usual for the royal family, but not for me. This is all I have. Please. The divorce is only for Charles and your well-being. Well, I can't argue with you, can I? But I will not go quietly. If you think that's what I'm signing on for, I will fight to the end, because I believe I have a role to fill and two children to bring up with me. Sometimes a royal role is a sacrificial one. We'll return to our story in just a moment. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray strandum wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. Now, the story continues. The divorce was finalized in August 1996. Diana received a lump sum of 17 million pounds, as well as a 400,000 pound a year allowance. The title Royal Highness was stripped from her name, though Princess of Wales was conceded to her. Diana remained in close orbit in the apartment she had kept with Charles at Kensington. Instead of retreating from the public sphere, as she announced she would back in 1993 during the separation, the divorce reawakened a force inside Diana. She may not be Charles's princess, but she was still a princess, and she would utilize that role accordingly. Her charity work continued, and her travels brought her to many more dangerous environments. An infamous photograph reveals Diana wearing a ballistic helmet and protective jacket while visiting Angola with the Halo Trust, a group dedicated to safely disarming weapons and landmines left behind after wars. Even from beyond the divorce, such imagery of Diana struck fear and insecurity into the heart of the royals. In her later years, Diana's paranoia refused to let up. Again, she did have a lot of evidence that the royals probably didn't like her very much. But Diana at times believed that some people in the monarchy were actively plotting her demise. Such claims have, of course, never been substantiated, but just knowing what was going on in Diana's mind during this time makes these final years all the more tragic. There was a final bright flash of hope, though. Because for two years, she fell in love with another, a man she would call the one true love of her life. He was a British-Pakistani surgeon named Hasnat Khan. In the summer of 96, she arranged a secret trip to Pakistan to meet his family. This means so much to us, Dai. Oh, it means the world to me, Hasnat. The last year, it's as if all of my life before had just been a dream, in preparation for my waking to your eyes. I know the stress must be awful, keeping all of this under wraps. It's best for us both, isn't it? Yes, I do think so. Perhaps one day, my love, 
I will be able to host your family at Kensington. Perhaps, Diana, you can leave Kensington in the past as well. Oh. I want to make a British toast for our British guest. For a woman who lives her life for others, who raises her children to one day look over a nation. For Diana Spencer, the only princess I've ever kissed. <laughs> I'm sorry, my dear. A Pakistani family is loud. No, I absolutely adore it, has not. A happy family is the most beautiful sound one can hear. Diana found a home in Lahore with the Khan family, but would never return. Just a year later, Diana would take Hasnat for a walk through Hyde Park and put their relationship to rest. Though, of course, neither party ever stepped forward to explain what really happened that night in the park, it's easy to see the reason Diana would let even her true love slip away. The former wife of the Prince of Great Britain, especially one with the global presence of Diana, would never be able to bring another lover into her life without their life and the lives of their own family being compromised. Perhaps it was a decision out of fear, out of her old insecurity, but just maybe it really was Diana's acceptance of her sacrificial role in the national narrative. Either way, she kept moving. By summer's end, she had begun a new relationship with Dodi Fayed, the son of an Egyptian billionaire. This courtship was definitely more of a fling for Diana, and as the summer grew to a close, she decided to take William and Henry to join Dodi's family in the south of France. Dodi's father, Mohammed, spent nearly 10 million pounds on a yacht on which to entertain them. Like a circle, Diana found her royal life winding down again on an ostentatious yacht. Not bad for a girl who never passed her O-levels. But extravagant vacations cannot be anyone's entire life, not even for a princess. The summer ended, and the group returned to Paris to see Diana and the boys back off to England. But on the 31st of August, 1997, Diana got into a car with Dodi, driven by Mohammed's Parisian hotel security manager, Henri Paul. Diana wouldn't have known it, but Paul was himself a victim of obsessive tendencies, an alcoholic. As Paul drove his precious cargo through the streets of Paris, he tried to keep hidden his drunken state. <laughs> <laughs> Why go back, Diana? Do not be that princess. Be mine. Oh, now stop that nonsense. If I wasn't who I was, you'd want nothing to do with me. You don't need to do that. Do what? Pretend you are lesser than you are. I'm afraid to say it, but you barely know me, Dodie. And I'd love to continue to change that fact, Diana. Princess of Wales. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dodie, you're a charmer, but I really must get back home. The boys have school, you know. Where in heaven's name is your driver taking us? School, school. A waste of time for such brilliant lads. But I concede. Henri! Yes, sir. Diana says you're driving like a fool. Uh, I said no such thing, Henri. But perhaps we should cut through the Pont de l'Alma tunnel? Yeah, of course. Of course. Now, where were we, my princess? Saying goodbye, my friend. All is with the goodbyes, Diana. You're such a heartbreaker. Tell that to the royal family. (laughs) (laughs) As Henri Paul pulled into the road tunnel called Pont de l'Alma, we forever lost clear sight of Diana. CCTV footage was pulled for the eventual trial, but the only cause ever determined was Henri Paul's drunken driving. Diana returned to Great Britain in a casket. 
Her funeral was broadcasted. Of course it was. And more than 32 million people watched in the United Kingdom alone. For once, the death of a member of the British royal family was truly a global affair. Conspiracy theories emerged, as they will, the most prevalent spearheaded by Dodi's father, Mohammed. Mohammed believed that Diana and Dodi were killed because she was going to have his child, and British royalty would simply not allow a non-Christian child in the royal family. His theory and others revolved around MI6 planting a strobe light to blind the driver in the tunnel. A former MI6 agent named Richard Tomlinson stepped forward to back up such claims, telling Mohammed that Henri Paul was also in the employment of the Secret Services and that the strobe light assassination technique was a legitimate one, formally developed by MI6 to kill the ex-president of Serbia. Though the accusations were hurled for years and the British government opened up multiple task forces to investigate the out-of-this-world claims, no one, be it the Duke of Edinburgh or MI6, could be rightfully accused of arranging Diana's death. It seems such theories were only an outgrowth of Diana's own paranoia. Again, it goes to show how close Diana was to her public. They inherited her personal life and felt the need to fully defend her through the end. If there's one thing Diana Spencer proved in her life, it was that she needed no defender but herself. Her role and life story remain forever ingrained in the United Kingdom's history. Diana never knew who she was or just how much influence she had. Yet in the end, it's very clear. She was much more than just the mother of a future king. She was a caretaker and watchdog for the monarchy as a whole. In simpler terms, she was a leader. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of Famous Fates and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Famous Fates is a Spotify exclusive. Well, not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Famous Fates for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Famous Fates on Spotify, just open the app and type Famous Fates in the search bar. Remember, it's a Spotify exclusive, so you can only find the show right here. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time.